Hello everyone and welcome to Cody's Car Conundrum. I'm your host, Cody Wagner. Here we'll discuss everything related to the wide world of automobiles, including culture, news, games, interviews, and events. Without further ado, let's get on with the show. Hey, hey everyone, welcome to Wheelin' Wednesday? Yes, yes. I know, first time in I think nearly two years since we've done a Wheelin' Wednesday podcast episode, but... This bit of news, it makes way too much sense not to make it a Wheelin' Wednesday podcast segment. So, I'm, I've been contemplating lately sort of getting back into Wheelin' Wednesdays, but doing more news like this, uh, considering, I, you know, I now do the editing for the podcast. So, kind of makes sense to get back into it, though. I think it would be, probably still be like an every other, every other week thing. I don't know. Tell me what you guys think, but anyway, without further ado... This bit, this bit of news, especially as someone who was not into this racing series, uh, actually caught my eye, and I thought it'd be fairly interesting to read. We have two articles for you today on the subject, so without beating around the bush, let's talk about the next-gen NASCARs. This article comes from Road and Track by Matt Weaver, and the headline is as follows. Next-gen NASCAR is fun, exciting, and different. Kurt Busch and Martin Truex Jr. tested the new car on the Charlotte Roval on Monday. This article was written on November 19th of, you know, at this rate, last year, but uh, just a few months ago. From the moment the next-gen NASCAR Cup Series car pulled out of the garage on Monday afternoon on the Charlotte Motor Speedway Roval, everyone in attendance knew this was unlike anything in the history of the discipline. It simply sounded different. That feature thanks to a split exhaust while unlike the current car, which uses a crossover pipe. But it's more than just the auto audio-visual aesthetics. The next-gen is a different machine inside and out. The car features independent rear suspension, a departure from the tried-and-true solid axle rear suspension. The car has 18-inch wheels and lower-profile tires with a single lug assembly. It's a completely symmetrical car as well. So, the single lug assembly, assembly to me, is actually big news. Because anyone who doesn't know that much about NASCAR should know that I think they use, I think they use five lugs. So, you know, the beep, 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 when they take the when they take the wheel off, compared to the Formula 1 where it's beep, and then they take the wheel off. Formula 1 uses a single lug, so NASCAR also going to a single lug, I think like most other racing disciplines, that's that's quite a massive move. That is a big change for the series, and I think there's a they explained why somewhere in this article, but I, I'd be kind of curious why they decided now all of a sudden to finally go to the single lug. But yeah, the wheels are 18 inches, which I think is a bit bigger than the current NASCAR wheels. Which is, which is interesting because you have Formula 1 moving to bigger wheels. I think they're, they might also be, they're either 18s or 20s now. And NASCAR also moving to 18-inch wheels. So that's, it's interesting now that these two very prominent motorsport series, motorsport series are moving, well, NASCAR in this case moving to single lug, but both series also moving to bigger wheels. Getting on with the article though. It features a sequential shifter. Now that, that actually makes me sad. I'm not, ha I'm not that happy with that change, but it features a sequential shifter instead of the traditional H pattern, the overall package more closely resembling elements of a sports car with stock car overtures. For the first time ever, two of these cars shared the track at the same time, with the car nearing its 2022 debut during Daytona Speed Weeks, following a one-year delay due to the pandemic. I have to say, with these new, with these next-generation NASCAR stock cars, I will probably try and catch a few NASCAR races in 2022. Just to see how they do. Just to see how they look. Because I think I've said a few times on the podcast. I 
A, I don't really care about NASCAR because it's just going in and over. I don't find that terribly exciting. And then B, I, you know, I like historic NASCAR because it was actual production cars made to work on the track. And I know why they can't do that now, but I'm still, I'm still not a fan of these glorified massive RC car bodies being grafted onto race car chassis. To me, it just took away from the stock car, production race car. It's not aesthetic, but the point of the series. Because the only, as far as I can tell, the only racing, or two racing series that do, that do largely still have production cars just race prepped is the, what is it, the GT4 racing series here in America where they have Camaro ZL1 1LEs and Shelby GT350Rs. I don't remember what the series, it's something GT4. And then, to some extent, Le Mans. And that's it. NASCAR went away from that. And that's what I, that's what I don't really like. And I, and I kind of get it because aerodynamics and such. Because, you know, a modern Charger compared to, I don't know, a Supra or an Apollo, you know, and any of those being race prepped. I think we could all imagine a Supra or some of the other cars that are, that have decals on the current gen NASCARs would have a significant advantage over others. And no automaker is going to make no automaker is going to make an all-new model that has much better aero just so they can compete in NASCAR. That's not really going to happen. Now, if you had homologation, like the new Toyota GR Yaris, if they had homologation rules, well, then automakers might do it. But, yeah, so I understand why. I just, it, it's just much less interesting for me as a result. Moving on, though. But the extra year will allow NASCAR to fine-tune its new platform with tests like the one conducted on Monday at Charlotte with Kurt Busch and Martin Truex Jr. behind the wheel. Busch, driving a Chevrolet-powered car named Prototype 3, prepared by Richard Childress Racing, likened the experience to the first day of school due to how radically different the experience was from the status quo. With the sequential gearbox, that's the most fun, Busch said. I love shifting through the gears. Sequen- I love shifting through the gears. Sequentially, you have to go to 2nd, 3rd, 4th, 5th, and then you have to go back 4th, 3rd, 2nd. It's not your typical H pattern that we've had, so this gearbox is fun to drive. The brakes are much bigger, and the car can stop a lot quicker. Bush called the experience fun, exciting, and different. Truex was driving a Ford-powered car prepared by the Action Action Express IMSA team, with noticeable visual differences between how the car was prepared, mostly in terms of where the vents were placed. There are so many differences about the way these cars these cars are built from our style of racing or racing stock cars in general, Truex said. It's going to be a huge learning curve for everyone, but when the car is balanced well, it feels really, really similar to what we have now. That's a good thing. This is a slow road course. The cars will test again with the, with the same two drivers on the oval configuration on Wednesday. This, that session will include several side-by-side restarts to see how the cars handle in dirty air. To see how it feels on the fast oval Wednesday will be a real eye-opener, Truex added. As for the Roval test, the cars were lapping in the 84 second range, comparable to what the current generation cars comparable to the current generation race cars race pace on October 11th. It was several seconds slower than the 2019 race, which was conducted using high downforce. The car was tuned to several different horsepower outputs between 550 and 750 horsepower on Monday. While the sound of the exhaust drew mixed reviews online, Bush praised the aesthetic and sound and sorry and said there was a throwback flair to it. To hear trucks go around and to hear the split exhaust, one pipe, one pipe out the left, one, oh wait, I think it's singular, one pipe out the left, one pipe out the right, 
That's an old-school Trans Am-style thundering power, Bush said. Bush called the car more nimble, adding that it was a hybrid of a sports car and a traditional stock car. He said the closest comparison was to a V8 Australian supercar, which makes sense considering NASCAR officials have actually made several trips to the Southern Hemisphere while seeking inspiration for the new machine. All the lap time that's been gained is through the infield section with the independent rear suspension and the ability to shift quicker, Bush said. So, really, a little bit of a weird sentence. So really the car, I don't want to use the word steroids, but the car is more effective and the car is more sensitive to changes and to feel, even with a shorter sidewall. The car is riding smooth, but you feel everything more vividly. Truex says the wider contact patch of the tires should evenly distribute heat, allowing for better tire wear and driver management. I'm able to feel we can make the tires softer already, Truex said. With the same car weight and more tire surface area, you can go softer on the compound. That'll help out, especially on the ovals. What we all like about ovals is, is degradation and fall off. The newer paved tracks have been a challenge because the tires overheat so bad. Typically, the tires have to be so hard for a big track like this, the infield feel is like ice. Today, the infield is feeling better with more grip. It's made this track more fun to drive and slip and slip and slide and slip and slide the car more. Bit of a weird way to say that, but whatever. Previous tests resulted in drivers calling the car twitchy, which generated concerns that passing would be a challenge due to a lack of predictability. Neither Truex nor Bush felt those conditions on the Charlotte Road course. Truex did say the car occasionally locks up and car bottoms out on the oval, but hopefully we can figure that out. Bush indicated that the twitchiness is more of an oval concern, and he did it and he did feel it on the oval sections of the Charlotte Roval. They still have one more change to make things firmer, to have the sensitivity turned down a little bit more, Bush said. Right now, yes, it's on the aggressive side for feel, twitchiness, and movement. But we're at a road course for the first time, and I like its movement back and forth, left to right. But on the oval sections, it's a little bit on edge, and we need to try and perfect that, and that's more of the Wednesday focus. We will run different valving tonight to help with the steering, just to see what that change does. But road course stuff, we're in the box. Oval, we'll know more on Wednesday. This was the sixth test, sixth test of the next-gen car, which was previously on track August 24th and 25th, with Cole Custer turning laps at Dover International Speedway. Before that, William Byron turned laps on March 2nd to 3rd at Auto Club, Eric Jones at Homestead, Miami on January 15th to 16th, and December 9th and 10th at Phoenix with Joey Logano, and October 8th to 9th with Austin Dillon at Richmond. Action Express also conducted a test at the Daytona Road Course over the summer. Moving on, now we have the, I think this is the oval test, and apparently feedback wasn't as good after first two car NASCAR next-gen oval test. The oval track platform is the most important component for NASCAR, and it's going to take trial and error. Let's see what went wrong here. NASCAR's next-gen car is still a work in progress on the intermediate tracks. That was the consensus following a two-car test with Cup Series champion Kurt Busch and Martin Truex Jr. behind the wheel on Wednesday at Charlotte Motorsports Speedway. Sorry, at Charlotte Motor Speedway. The same drivers participated in a Monday test on the Charlotte Roval configuration and offered lengthy, sorry, and offered largely positive reviews. Bush drove the Chevrolet-powered prototype three car built by Richard Childress Racing, and Truex drove the Ford-powered prototype built by Action Express IMSA team, or by the Action Express IMSA team. It's been a long three days at Charlotte. It started Monday with the road course test, which we felt went really well, said John Probst, NASCAR's senior vice president of racing innovation. 
both drivers were very complimentary of how the car of how the cars handled with the increased brakes and sequential shifter. It was pretty much anticipated that they'd like that over what we had Wednesday. Feedback on Wednesday frankly wasn't as good as it was on the road course. We collected a significant amount of data from the last three days that we'll start going through on Thursday, on Thursday morning at the R&D Center. We'll figure out what modifications we need to make. We'll enlist the help of our OEMs and teams to help us make the right decisions here as we finalize the design of this car in the next few months. The two prototypes feature generic bodies that will eventually be replaced by manufacturer-specific shells before the, cars make it, before the car makes its debut in advance of the 2022 Daytona 500. Beneath the shell, the car features independent rear suspension, a departure from the tenured solid axle rear suspension. The car has 18-inch wheels and lower profile tires with a single lug assembly. It features a sequential shifter instead of the traditional H pattern, and it's also completely symmetrical, which we, heard, which we talked about in the previous article. The Charlotte tests were were the sixth and seventh tests of the seven tests, Jesus, were the sixth and seventh tests of the cars respectively. Let's skip a little bit here because they talk about the dates of all the other one, all the other tests, and we just went over that. The tests with Bush and Truex were the first time NASCAR placed two prototypes on the track together. The cars were even placed side by side for a mock restart battle. Anytime you get the opportunity to have somebody like Kurt and Martin in the car, veterans that have not that have driven not just the current car, but previous generations, they provide a good historical perspective for you, Probst said. It's always good when you can get veterans in the car that you can use as a guidepost to keep you going in the right direction. They did a phenomenal job for us. We couldn't ask for anything more. The exact downforce and horsepower settings for the test were not released, and drivers were not made available as they, as they were during the Monday road course test. The cars borrow a lot of elements from Australian supercars and there are a lot of road course elements built into it, which we already know. In other words, dialing in the oval racing components would also would, would always be the toughest, especially since NASCAR remains a predominantly circle track discipline. Previous tests on ovals have resulted in feedback that called the car twitchy. The cars drove similarly to that on Monday on the oval sections of the roval configuration. Probes will We'll next test the P3 car at Daytona International Speedway on December 15th, 16th for single car runs, which actually it's, you know, we're in 2021. So I if assuming there's an article about that, I'll go and track it down. Beyond that, we're working on a tire test plan with Goodyear right now that will likely have seven or eight tests for 2021, Probe said. The OEMs are currently wrapping up the builds of their own vehicles and we will look at Start Wheel Force Transducer or WFT testing in March with all three cars on the track together and with that we have reached the end of this episode it's just a little bit short but unfortunately there's not more information right now hopefully with 2021 we will see more information on the next gen nascars because now i'm actually my interest has been peaked i want to know more i want to see how these cars do tell me what you guys think about the next gen nascars in the comments below wherever you're listening to this podcast if you enjoyed and i hope you did then please like the episode share the episode and follow the podcast if you're watching on youtube then please like comment share and consider subscribing and if you do please hit the little notification bell and then all notifications so you don't miss an upload if you want to listen to this podcast on the road but don't have or want the pod being mobile app well then just boot up wherever you get your podcast before you set off type in cody's car conundrum and then choose the episode you want to listen to i'll see you all next time you've just listened to me probably ramble about some cars if i'm being honest 
If you've enjoyed me passionately talking about lumps of metal on wheels, then why don't you follow me on Twitter at Cody Carr, C-O-N-U-N-D-R-M, or check out my website, www.codyscarconundrum.com, for articles and other car-related content. If you have any questions or would like to become a sponsor, send an email to drtaffy777 at gmail.com and put sponsor in the subject line. Make sure to follow me here or any other platform so you don't miss out on more full throttle content. Thanks for listening. I'll see you all in the next episode.